Okay, so I'll just mesh the two. Um, so full transparency, I've only lost two people that have been really, really close to me is my grandfather and an aunt. I've lost other people that I absolutely cared about, but I feel like that might absolutely be a distinguishing difference where yeah. if your connection to someone was not as strong, I mean, like I can't envision as much as I love my boy AJ, I can't envision him coming to say nothing to me. You know what I mean? Right. I would only envision my grandfather or my aunt to um, come visit me in any um, form or respect. However, I know I've seen some shit. I know I've seen, like, I always am aware of things happening outside of, like, my immediate attention span. And I do believe those things to be supernatural. It doesn't really bother me because as long as we could coexist in this space, like, I respect mm -hmm. that you're here, you respect that I'm here, and we can just coexist. I'm with the shit. I don't believe human energy or living energy to be the only energy. Energy just never dissipates. It just changes forms. So that right. is my personal belief. That being said, that's absolutely the fuck why I would not. You couldn't. I, <laughs> I, I just, I feel, that, you know what? It's just not for me. I can absolutely understand the allure for people to want to experience it. Mm -hmm. I just would be too afraid of succumbing to whatever energies were there just because of my own beliefs and my own experience of myself and I guess my um, experience, well, not experience, but belief of what the supernatural is capable of. Exactly. And I feel like, I, I feel like there's a reason why, you know, you just, I, I feel like there's a reason why there's no like tour groups there. And I respect that because, like, after the after the Chernobyl documentary came out, everybody started going there, and it just ruined it because you know you got these Instagram influencers just going there. They don't know anything about the disaster; they just go just to get, you know, just to get snaps there, mm -hmm. not knowing mm -hmm. anything about it. Just you know, just stunned for the ground, and it's messed right. up. No reverence to the experience of the actual history. Exactly, you know, and I've. And, I feel like social media in a way has ruined the travel experience mm. because I, it's just, how can I put it? People aren't like, people aren't traveling to learn anymore. They're just traveling just to get cool pictures and post them on social media. Yeah. It's more sensationalized at this point. It's just, Oh, absolutely. You know, cause I've been traveling, you know, well before social media was a thing. Mm -hmm. So I just feel like it's ruined it. And I, I, I firmly believe that and nobody can change my mind about it. I feel you on that. But I will say that in fairness to an alternate experience, I feel like social media, I agree with what you're saying, but I also agree with the sentiment that social media has also up and opened up the experiences or the oh, absolutely. possibility of... Um, travel for others while also when done appropriately um informed others of what possibilities or experiences can be available to uh travelers i know personally i'm 35 i didn't leave the country until i was 30 like hmm. um january 2017 was my first international trip partial lie i left i went to canada once when i was like 12 we went for like a church um bus right. trip for a carabana that weekend or some shit like that but First time I left was January 2017. And a lot of it was because of social media. I was mm -hmm. able to see people that looked like me going on trips that didn't look like the extravagant, expensive exactly. trips that I'd always known travel to be. Like mm -hmm. in my family, we did like family vacations with my grandparents, but it's like my grandparents and my mom was always rich. You know what I mean? Like they were retired right. my whole life. So they were doing the cruise life. They were my grandparents stayed on a cruise. So my vision, like my vision of travel growing up was, you know, just going down south to visit family or mm -hmm. going to one of my grandparents' timeshares or, you know, just doing something out of New York, but still relatively locally to the East Coast with my grandparents. Other than that, old people go on cruises. That's what my, right. you know, 
that's just my experience. But that being said, once I saw people my age being able to go to the other side of the globe, and then when I'm like, oh, well, one, I don't need a travel agent because that was another misconception that Mm -hmm. I had that I have to pay somebody to figure it out for me and that I had to know all the things to tell them that I'm looking for. So I will say that social media opened up the world of possibilities to me. Oh, it definitely also, you know, introduced me in a different way because I also had friends that were traveling uh, prior, but because I wasn't able to see it, it wasn't... Mm -hmm. Because I feel like sometimes when you just have a complacent thought in your mind, you let it live. Like you leave it as is, as opposed to necessarily um, diving into how accurate or true it may be after further research. So right. when I started to see people that I knew, oh, bitch, you went to, you went to Bali? What was that like? Okay. So, so wait a minute. You, I know you don't make, well, not that I know, but you know, as my friend circle or as my um, immediate demographic, I'm like, all right, so we both work jobs. Mm -hmm. So I know that we both got a little bit of disposable income, but we're not out here living on Park Avenue with, you know, quarter million dollar income every year. So it seems like if I get a couple dollars, this might be a viable option for me. And I've also seen a lot of different places that I may not have known prior to social media, but I will say though, I just love history in general and I love, you know, black experiences period. And that has always been even before travel. So in fairness, back to your point, Mm -hmm. I was, I'm all, I'm interested in history as is. So I'm going to do that extra little bit of legwork and hit a couple of Google searches and figure out what I'm getting myself into before I get there or at least have an idea of what it is that I want to do in a general region and then flushing it out once I get, um, you know, the options at hand. Right. So that's, damn. So it's, it's a blessing and a curse. It's a, uh, uh, absolutely. Most definitely. In your Most experiences definitely. of traveling, have you kind of had to, I don't want to say combat that, but I know sometimes that, as I'm making my way through this travel experience, as I'm sharing it with people, because I have a fucking travel podcast. You know what I mean? So like I'm sharing, I'm that fucking influencer that's taking photos and taking pictures, but I'm also just actually interested in shit. You know what I mean? I try to be um, a conscious traveler just because that benefits me. That's just something that appeals to my uh, sensibilities. But See, I feel like we kind of have that in common where we just have that general um, history disposition. Like we're interested in the shit to begin with and not doing it just because. So what has your experience been like in terms of, you know, creating content for your YouTube channel and sharing of your experiences while not really falling into the stereotypical, um, influencer uh monolith or uh archetype so look like so over the years like i like a a lot of places i've been to i didn't get any footage from because Mm. i would just i was just focused on where i was at that moment like i didn't care about like not getting any video footage or anything i I, kind of regret it now but you know looking back at it i don't because you know, it's memories I'll hold on forever. Right. Um, I say like one of the, I guess the trip, I guess that put me on the map, I guess, as a quote unquote traveler or travel influencer, I guess, is probably when I went to Russia last year. And reason being, because, you know, let's just be real, a lot of people wouldn't even think about even going there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's not the Again, that's the travel archetype. That's the travel stereotype. We there. We all over the place and we belong there. Mm-hmm. However, we just don't see it as much. It just takes a little bit more to dig through that cert- that uh, facade of travelers to find the people that look like us and appeal to some of the extra things mm-hmm. for interest. They there. It's just that they're ha- so much harder to find. Oh, I agree. You know, that's not my reason for, you know, going to certain places. You know, I don't go mm-hmm. places and look for other Black people. 
Mm-hmm. You know, I just okay. don't. That's just a personal thing. You know, mm-hmm. if I'm interested in going to a place, I'm going to go there regardless if, I, if, if black people are there or not. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I've always been interested in Russia, especially like in terms of their architecture, especially. Um, you, you, you know, have you ever played the game Tetris? Of course. I'm a so child of the <laughs> Yeah, so you know, that game was invented in Russia. Okay. So it sparked my interest even more as a kid. So I've always wanted to go there. But, you know, as cool. I got older, you know, learning about, you know, getting there, that sort of thing, you know, the visa process turned me off for the longest time. And I just said, fuck it at one time and just bit the bullet and applied for it, got approved, got on a plane and went. <laughs> what was the visa process like? How is it compared it was, to other places? It was a pain in the ass. I'm not going to lie. Like, it was probably the hardest visa I've ever had to get. So I actually made a detailed like video tutorial on my YouTube about how to apply for as a U.S. citizen. Okay. So basically, cool. um, so the application itself, the visa application itself, took like an hour to fill out. Like they want to know oh. a lot. Like they want to know. It's like almost applying for a job application almost. Like they want to know, you know, your name, date of birth, all that good stuff. You know, all your passport information. Um what you do for work, what your parents' names were, do you have any special training with nuclear weapons, a whole bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Invasive. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah it, it was pretty insane. Um, so there's a lot of, like, loopholes, like how you can just, like, beat the system. So basically, you know, one of the questions was, you know, list all the countries you've been to over the last decade. So I've been to a lot of places over the last 10 years, but the passport I submitted didn't include all those countries. So I just included the countries that, that I went to on the passport I'm sending you. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to completely answer that question truthfully. Just, okay. send, you know, just, you know, answer the question with all the passports, you know, all this, all the places that you've been to in that particular passport. Um, and another thing is, you know, when I went, this is before they started issuing three year visas. So when I went at the time, um, you can only have you can have a valid visa for thirty days. So what I did was that work for thirty days. That's it. Yeah. So like what I did was, um, a lot of people make a mistake of you know when they applied for the visa they only they only put the dates that they were actually traveling to Russia. So it would be valid for even shorter period of time. So what I did was I made mine valid for an entire month just in case my flight got delayed getting out of there or whatever the case may be that way I'm stuck there. Gotcha. So I would I would have that the extra wiggle room just in case something went wrong. I wouldn't, you know, get stuck there for, you know, violating visa policy or whatever the case may be. Smart. Um yeah, so then you have to take a new picture for the visa. Um so there's only three Russian consulates to the United States. Now there were four, but the one in San Francisco closed down. So there's one in New York City, D.C., and Houston. I don't live in or near any of those cities. Sure don't. <laughs> so, I had to, so I had to use a visa agency. So I used one called Visa Express. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, another thing you need, you need what they call a letter of invitation. It's okay. not a, it's not as hard as it sounds it is to get. Basically, you can just you can get one through a third party or even through a hotel that you're staying in. They can just email it okay. to you. Um, what I did was, it was like it was like twenty bucks through a website called waytorussia.com. Mm-hmm. So they'll email it to you. You print that out and you know submit that with all your other documents. And the visa itself, it wasn't cheap. It was like the whole thing between consular fees, the Visa Express fees the visa support letter, the passport photo, and then shipping. It was like 400 bucks. It was not cheap. Goddamn. Yeah, so... <laughs> you gotta be committed to that. And all for 30 okay. days. Yeah, it was... I mean, this is... The, like, as of April 2019, like, literally after a month after I got back, you can only get three-year multi-entry visas now. So I was pissed when I got it. So, I was like, damn, I gotta get so another hot. one. I would have been so hot. Damn. Yeah, I was, I was mad. So, you know, it is what it is. I don't make the rules. <laughs> now, quick question on that. Is that visa for entry from the United 
States? Is that the same for if you were to enter from, I guess that's just if you have an American passport, period, regardless of where you enter from. Like, what if you took a, um, like a middle trip, if you will, like if you flew into like, um, I don't know, UK and decided you wanted to hit up Russia before you got over to like Malaysia or something like that. I assume you'd have to go through that same process, right? It doesn't yeah, matter yeah. where you originate. It does actually, because you, you have to be in your home country when you apply for the visa, you can't be overseas. So even if Good to know. like the only, the only um, caveat to that is if you have like residency in another country, you could do it. But other than that, you have to be on shore in your home country in order to be granted a Russian visa. I'm sure there's a loophole that you could do, but do you really want to risk? Yeah, I wouldn't risk it. Is the question. The question. Like having somebody back at home send all the paperwork for you, like you complete it all, but then have them send it for you. That's my word. Because I'm thinking just in terms of like a lot of digital nomads. Like, say you had spent the last six months in um, or five months in Mexico or the way things are going with COVID, you can be at any any location at this point. Um, I have friends like one is in Malaysia, um, you know, a couple girls are in Thailand. So it's kind of, damn, you're still an American citizen. Like, you're still moving on that American passport. It's just that you were bobbing and weaving from all over the place. I guess you would just have to, at this point, since you got the three-year option, mm-hmm. wait till that trip back home, if necessary, just yeah, to keep to. things clean. Yeah, you got to be in the United States when you apply for it. Like, it's okay. just, you know, what they say. And um, honestly, it was totally worth it. <laughs> it really was. Like, I loved it so much. It was, it's actually in my top five countries that I've been to. Like, Why? I loved it that much. I don't, it was just, it's completely different than anywhere else I've been to. It just, you know, just, I don't know. It, it's just, it's just debunking all the stereotypes that the media makes Moscow out to be. Like, it's not a horrible place. It's beautiful. You know, and just the people there, they're like the coolest people ever. <laughs> You know, granted nice. that Russians don't smile. It's just a you know, it's a cultural norm there. It's not mm-hmm. it has, it has nothing to do with you being American or whatever. It's just a cultural thing there. They Russians just they don't smile. Okay. So don't take it personally. But um, I don't know. It's just a really interesting place. Just between like the culture, the food, the people, the architecture. It's just it's 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 like. It, it feels almost mysterious because, you know, what the media, you know, portrays it out to be and you see it for yourself. It's completely different. Right. Reasonable. I, I can, I can dig that. I can dig that. What about um, that trip? Do you think made it the it trip for you in the influencer uh, schasm, if you will? Like, what was it about that trip that you think? Um, you know, because a lot of people told me that they were just afraid to go there. You know, they feel like they don't like black people there. They never heard of any black person even thinking about going there. So, you know, just me just, you know, debunking all the stereotypes, that sort of thing. So it, it was just really, I don't want to say, like I said, it was just completely different than anywhere else I've been to. Mm-hmm. Just in terms of like the logistics of getting there to, just it was it just navigating it was rough though because of the language barrier i don't even lie to you mm-hmm. you know i know you know i know somebody in moscow so you know she met me at the airport that sort nice. of thing and uh you know so basically she was like my, my, like my own personal guide you know she took me places that you know when people go to russia you know you know you just, when you think of russia you think of red square the kremlin and mm-hmm. um you know saint basil cathedral that's it you know it's a a whole bunch of places in Moscow that people don't even know about because of her. Like, um, there's this, uh, it's this museum of, uh, what's it called? It's Cosmonauts Museum. Cool. So basically, uh, it's basically a museum about the Russian space program, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And my friend's father was actually, you know, part of Mission Control when the Russians went into space in the 60s. How fucking cool is that? Yeah, it was awesome. And just like, like bring me to your house. I want to talk to your dad. <laughs> oh man, it was it was absolutely incredible. Just like you know, there's like in a there's this other museum I went to 
called the Museum of National Economy. Okay. And it was just, it was just really, you know, just, it's just, how can I put it? You don't learn about this stuff unless you go there. Yeah, you have to seek that kind of information out. And it's just not, you have to do the work, which kind of sucks. But mm -hmm. I get it. Like, there's so much shit in the world. There's so much information that it's not just all going to, you know, be there. It's just not the way of the world. It's not how it works. But it's, I uh, just, yeah. it's kind of, what's her name? Uh, my guest last week, um, Sadie, was saying to me, um, I was explaining to her that I enjoy the diaspora everywhere I go. So a lot of times I'll pick out different uh, stops along, different tours that I may not be able to book if, you know, depending on my time there and you Google this, you Google that, but it's, you just have to do the work. And she was saying that that was a really big um, reasoning behind her company is just like, you shouldn't have to do all of that work. Mm -hmm. It should be readily available to you in terms of, you know, uh, a tourist provider or like a um, some, something in the tourism space that's providing a service should kind of do that work for you, you know? Yeah, exactly. And then like when I, uh, I from Moscow, I went to St. Petersburg and St. Petersburg was a whole different vibe than Moscow. Like, it was like, it was completely different. Like um, people were like people were a lot more friendly in St. Petersburg. It's more of a cosmopolitan city compared to Moscow. Um, it was way easier to navigate, that's for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, it's more walkable in Moscow, that's for sure. Okay. Um, cool. yeah. So like, and there's see, there's a there's a way to beat the visa system for Russia too, because uh, you can actually take a like a ferry from Helsinki, Finland, to St. Petersburg, and you're allowed 72 hours in, v in St. Petersburg visa-free. Love those. I love those. So, Same thing happened in Shanghai. Because I flew into Shanghai, I had the 72 hours. Mm -hmm. As long as you stay within the providences that they allow yeah. you to, you don't need no visa. Same thing with Doha. Once you yep. get in there, you got your 72 hours. Do what you want to mm -hmm. do. You, can, you just have to... I did it through um, the airlines that I'd flown when I went yeah, to exactly. those destinations and they made that, but that's a good one. That's very good to know. Like if you don't intend to necessarily be there for that long, then that's always an option. I mean, if you're going to Finland. Yeah. Cause you know, cause I won, I got the visa cause I wanted to go to Moscow because like it was on like, it was very high on my bucket list. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, my, you know, then I was video chatting with my dad, God rest his soul. Um, you know, he, he was like just in awe of what, you know, what he was seeing because like, you know, he actually, when I told him I was going, he was like, what? Why? Like, <laughs> That's what my dad would say. Motherfuck what? But, you know, because one of his favorite songs was Stranger Moscow by Michael Jackson. <laughs> and um, so, you know, he was like, yeah, he was like, he was like how does it feel? I'm like, man, to be, to be honest. It feels weird being here because, you know, like it, it was just, I was just, just taking it all in. And so that, I just felt like, you know, I just met some of the coolest people there. Just like, they're just like begging me to come back. Like I remember on my last, my last day in Moscow, I went to, uh, there's this, so it's, it's actually the highest restaurant in Europe and in the, it's called the Rusky restaurant. And in that particular restaurant, there's an ice bar in there. So they'll give you like a, a big ass fur coat and Ushanka, which is like, you know, those Russian hats. Okay, and, um, cool. And, every, and everything in there is made of ice. The vodka glasses are made of ice. The, the dispenser is made of ice. The counter is made of ice. And they give That's you- That's when you get gloves, right? Yeah, and they give you gloves. And um, they give you a couple of shots of vodka with some red caviar. It was like the most disgusting thing ever, but you know. Just when in Moscow, exactly. <laughs> like, right. I, I wasn't a fan by any means, but you know, it's all part of the travel experience. I, I didn't come, right. I didn't get this extensive ass visa, and I'm back out not doing anything. Show shit, so, exactly. So, yeah, it was pretty cool. And then, like in St. Petersburg, I went to the vodka museum and uh, I brought back like three bottles of vodka. Um, one of them is. It's like a golden color, and it's infused with thyme and ginger, and it's fucking delicious. Ooh. 
I'm not a yeah. vodka girl, but that does sound appealing. You yeah, told was, me at the ginger. Yeah, so like they'll let you taste test different mm-hmm. ones and you can, you know, pick which one you want, like to bring home, that sort of thing. And while you're taste testing it, they give you uh like two pieces of rye bread, one with like uh like with like a pickle and another one with like sardines and lard. It's weird. Yes. I'd have to agree with you there. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, when in when in Russia and do what the Russians do. <laughs> Absolutely. That that's like you said, that's the travel experience. Not only did you not spend all that much like you didn't spend all that money. You spent all that time to you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Make the trip a possibility. And it's what's the point in going there for you to eat Popeyes or KFC Yeah, you know, because I spent two months planning it. Like just between the visa process and then everywhere I wanted to go, and I I had Burger King there and it was fucking awesome. Like I was gonna have, say that's one thing about it. I've heard that all the fast food tastes different in different parts of the world. Oh, that is the I one appeal to fast foods. I would want to do it just for that, but not on some. I order chicken fingers everywhere I go. Like no, you just no. appeal to the culture of the area you're in. Like that's. For me, part of what makes travel so appealing. They sell beer at Burger King. I was like, what is this? Like, <laughs> and, you know, they drink vodka. Life. They drink vodka like it's water there. Like, it's insane. Like, I remember, so in Moscow, there's this restaurant called Stolovaya 57. I'll never forget it. It's right in the, in the heart of Red Square. So, like, you have the Kremlin on your right. You have St. Basil Cathedral in the middle. And on the left, you have this big-ass shopping mall. So on the third floor of the shopping mall is a restaurant. You know you're there because the line is always long. And um, so you get some authentic Russian food there. So I went there on my first day with uh, with Vita, you know, who I was, you know, mm-hmm. cool in Moscow. Um, so she took me there. And when I tell you, Russian food is fucking delicious. <laughs> like, you know, I'm stroking. Like stroganoff, you know, stroganoff is Russian. A lot of people don't know that. Sure um, I assumed yeah, it was stroganoff. like German or something. <laughs> yeah, stroganoff's a Russian dish. Um, I had borscht, which is, which is? It, it's it's basically it's just it's this red beet soup. You can either have it hot or cold. Okay. Uh, it tastes better hot, in my opinion. I've had both. Like in Ukraine, I had it as well. But I had it cold when I went. Um, ah, that's for you, girl. I'm good on the beats. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I would try it just because if this is like a popular dish here, I want to be able to say mm-hmm. I tried it, but like I'm not. Yeah. Give me like a, a little shot cup. I just want to taste it. <laughs> I don't want to yeah, order it. Oh, man. Just like, I don't know. I just felt, contrary to popular belief, I, I felt welcome there. Like, mm. they were just so friendly and, you know, they just. Like like all my friends that I met there, just like when did you come back? <laughs> like I love I that. You know, it's I it's it's a place. I like when I go back, I have to, I have to visit more places because Russia's huge. Yeah. It's massive. Mm-hmm. Like Russia's so big, it expands eleven time zones. God damn, we even we yeah. got eleven time. Well, yeah, we do, but I just assumed that they were just redundant <laughs> for some yeah. reason. I assumed Russia they were all redundant time zones. Russia has 11 time zones. It's huge. Oh, like, it, like if you flew from Moscow to Vladivostok, which is on the other side of the country, it's eight hours on a plane. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, I want to... Well, I mean, Cali's six hours away, so it's definitely larger than the United States. Oh, absolutely. By far. You know, I just, I want to, I want to do the Trans-Siberian Railroad. That's like high on my bucket list. Absolutely. Like, it really yeah. is. Like, I was going to go to Irkutsk, which is in Siberia. I just didn't have the time. Right. So I really, so I, I just, I just did Moscow, St. Petersburg. It's like an intro to Russia type thing. Mm-hmm. So when I be, when I go back, I'll be ready. I'll right. know what to expect. You can kind of skip that part and just jump into, because I feel like, how long is the actual train ride? And is a 30-day like visa even it's, enough? It's like okay, a yes, week. So it is. <laughs> like, Going from That's Moscow to Vladivostok on the Trans-Siberian Railroad, it's like it's like five to seven days, I think. 
that's a good portion of your visa. It's like, oh, absolutely. But you know, with the, when you get the three-year visa, because those are the only mm-hmm. ones you can get now, you can stay up to six months on that particular visa. And it's multi-entry, nice. so you can go in and out as many times as you want within three years, as long as you don't stay over six months each visit. Okay, that's and reasonable. Makes sense. Yeah, and the thing is, I was going to go to like, you know, when I was playing the trip, I was going to go to like Kazakhstan because it's right there, mm-hmm. but I didn't have a, I didn't have a multi-entry visa, so I wouldn't be able to get back in Russia. To so, get your ass back home. Got it. Exactly. So, you just had to um, arrange. Yeah, because like that entire month of March 2019, like, so I, at the job I was working, I'd get, I, I got laid off. So like, I just, I just took that whole month off and just travel my ass off. I just need a mental break. So mm-hmm. I went to Russia and then I met with a friend of mine in Amsterdam from there. Then from there we took we did like a day trip to Rome because the flights were cheap. Um, and then we split up in Rome. So I flew from Rome nonstop to Buenos Aires, Argentina. Nice. Yeah. Uh so yeah that was interesting. <laughs> that was a 14 hour flight nonstop. I think that's the um, longest I've been on a plane for one stretch. Yeah, it was. It wasn't fun. I mean, I, I got upgraded premium economy, so it was, I knew that it was. It was paramount. I got that lid. Ooh, excuse me. Fancy, yeah. fancy. I did a coach. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was great. Um, Argentina. It, it was. It was a really significant trip for me because South America was the sixth continent I went to. Um. I had called my dad and like, you know, he was like, he, he was really happy because, you know, he was just watching my journey to visit all seven continents. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Argentina was really, I don't, I, I always wanted to go there. So I went right. and, you know, the, and it was, and the flight was cheap from, it, it's weird because like getting to South America from like flying from the U S to Buenos Aires, it was like 800 bucks. It was expensive. Mm-hmm. That's like one way. Yeah. And when I flew from from Rome nonstop, it was 305 bucks. I was like, take my money. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I went to Argentina and had a ball. Like, the food there alone was, oh, my God. And, like, I did a a random day trip to Uruguay. I woke up one day. I was like, I'm going to go to Uruguay today. So I caught the ferry from Buenos Aires to uh, to Colonia del Sacramento. It's like a 90 minute ferry ride. And uh, just like a little spur of the moment thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is incredible. So I assume yeah. you backpack or at least travel. You are a light traveler. Carry on is life. Um, it depends. So okay. in Europe, I'll go backpack only. But like if I'm in like Southeast Asia or something, I'll check a bag because I'm gonna wing, I'm gonna want to bring back some shit because it's so cheap. Gotcha. Okay. Because like in in Bangkok, I like I, I brought a whole suitcase there just be, just for souvenirs. Like I brought back so much shit because it was cheap. Like I okay. went to Shadow Check Weekend Market. It's like a flea market on steroids. Like Ooh. yeah, it was insane like i lost my shit there i didn't i, I didn't know how to act because <laughs> that's me who goes in the dollar store and a hundred dollars later it's like did i really need anything but it was a dollar so did you speaking of it? speaking of a dollar store you need to go to cambodia it's it's Ooh. it's the it's the dollar store of the world literally like so they use the u.s dollar as their currency Ooh. so you can literally get like I, I'll even send you a, like a picture on Facebook, like a messenger or something. Like I took a there. There had this uh, like this sign with for like massages and stuff. Like per hour, it was like two bucks U.S. Like it was dumb. Like you can get a you can get a pint of beer for fifty cents there. Love to see it. This is I was like, what is this? like I was like, how do you guys make money? Like, it granted it's granted Cambodia's a third world country, but how do you guys survive out here? Like, there's just no way. they doing it damn i guess i I mean i don't know if i don't know if it's fair to say the cost of living is less or it's just the dollar is just like the exchange is just hope hopefully one would hope that it's an equitable exchange at least you know what i mean like i don't mind giving you a dollar 
for this hour long massage, I would just hope that it is a fair wage for you in this space. Right, you know what I mean? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because I don't mind that it's a dollar, take my dollar. But I just would feel bad if no, for <clears throat> if you're not going to spend a dollar on it here just because you know that a dollar isn't equitable here. Like a dollar mm-hmm. is not getting you anything. But if that dollar can actually sustain, you know, you know, your living costs for a week of your month or however, you know, I mean, a day, if even because I feel like it's unfair to say that a payment for one service to sustain a week, but you get what I'm saying. Like, I would just yeah. hope that it is an equitable exchange for what's going on there. But yeah, did, you mentioned, go ahead. I was because I did Thailand, Cambodia, and Japan in the same trip. Okay. That's a, okay. A <laughs> <laughs> couple different spots. And I tend to travel like that as well. But how long were you there? Like, did you do like a week in each in each destination, or a couple of days here, flight, a couple of days there, flight? So I did Cambodia for three days because all because the only reason why I went was go to Angkor Wat. That's the only reason why I wouldn't go to Cambodia. Okay. Um. So I did Thailand for four days, Cambodia for three, and I was in I was in Japan for like week i went see in japan i was there on a writing assignment so i knew somebody there and she asked me if i'd been i said no so she asked me to go there Mm -hmm. so she she paid for my hotel and everything all i do is get there okay um so basically she wanted me to just write a review of the hotel and in exchange for so i did and it was fucking awesome (laughs) um so is so that like what you then, do professionally? Like, how did no, that come about? No, not necessarily. So, like, I, you know, so I've read a lot of reviews of different places that I've been to. I don't know if you've seen, like, my posts in different travel groups over the years. Mm-hmm. So she contacted me saying, you know, my writing style is, like, phenomenal. And, you know, she lives in Japan. Um, she asked me if I'd been there. I said no. So I, she asked me if I was going to be in, you know, I told her I, I learned I was going to be in Thailand. The area. Right. So. I flew I flew Tokyo from there because it was it was easy. Yep. It was like two hundred bucks one way. Once you leave so, the United States, you can get everywhere else in the world. I mean, not all the time, all the places, but it's just a lot easier to travel out of easy. the United States. Yeah. So you know, she asked me. You know, she asked me if I was going to be in the area. I said, like, "Yeah, I was going to be in Thailand." So she's like, "Look, you know, I love your writing. I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a." I'm a manager at this hotel. I'm going to get you a room and you can write a review for it and put on TripAdvisor when you leave. I was like, bet. So while I was there, you know, I was able to, I was able to have some fun while I was there. That's you know, just brought me, brought me Tokyo. Uh, you know, went to, Tio, went to Kyoto for a day. So I caught the Shinkansen from Tokyo to Kyoto. Um, went to Arashiyama, which is like a little region in Kyoto. Went to the bamboo forest. It was pretty cool. Nice. Um, and yeah, so basically she was like, look, go to Japan. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have somebody meet you at Narita Airport as soon as you clear custom. I'm gonna drop you off at the hotel and uh yeah. Have fun. <laughs> that is an incredible testament to just do the work. Just do the what the work and you never know who's watching. And what yeah, opportunities exactly. will present themselves? What do you do? Uh, uh, what do you, what's the word? Professionally, like, what is your industry do you, that you work in? So I was working. Uh, I was working as a as a senior farm tech for a while. You know, before I got laid off at that job. So like, I was doing that probably for like, I think five years. Okay. So, you know, basically pharmaceutical stuff. So it's like my mm-hmm. dish these days. Got it. I used to work yeah. at a pharmacy, my first on the books job. So salute because old people get <laughs> real cranky when it comes especially, time to pick up them <laughs> prescriptions. No, especially now because over enrollment. So God bless. Oh, yeah, that, none of that is fun. None of it is. It, it, that's a very difficult thing because I'm looking into like trying to help my grandma and I'm like, my, I don't know. This is the one thing about health insurance and like doctors and stuff I can't really help you with girl so yeah because there's so many plans like you know you got these high deductible plans you got these you know out-of-pocket expenses like it's a lot going into it 
Yeah, it is. I can see how it's absolutely um, intimidating for someone to try to figure it out. Because I'd say for the vast majority of us that have insurance, it's through our job. So our yep. biggest dilemma is PPO or HMO. What, what, you know, what are my options? How much I want every week or how much I want every paycheck and who all covered? Like, that's exactly. generally how I guide my insurance choices. And then you retire and now it all has to make sense in an entirely different, um, you know, frame of reference or you lose your work, you lose work. And now it's like, now I have to consider what my options in terms of, it's, listen, that's messy. I don't even want to get into that insurance. Right. <laughs> so speaking of insurance, I guess, a uh, reasonable segue for the last thing I wanted to really touch on. Um, I saw that you donated a kidney to your father. I, I did. So the way that happened, so he had a history of, I guess, kidney problems, that sort of thing, um, you know, to the point where his left kidney was actually failing. So the next, so the, originally he was going on dialysis, but, you know, my grandfather went through that, his father, and, you know, essentially you're just like a ticking time bomb with that sort of thing. So he didn't want to do that. So the next best option was a transplant. So myself, my brother, and uh, a couple of my cousins, we all got tested. My sister was pregnant at the time, so, you know, she couldn't do anything okay. about that. Um, so, you know, we all got tested, that sort of thing. So 48 hours later, I was at the arcade, you know, just hanging out. I get a phone call uh, from Northwestern Hospital. They're all like, you know, you're 100% compatible to donate. Would you like to do so? I was like, sign me up. So... That entire summer of 2012, I was just in and out of the hospital getting tested done. Like anything you name, I had it done. Like EKGs, CAT scans, urine tests, blood tests. I, I had all that shit done. Um, like it's just so much blood for me to the point where needles don't bother me anymore to this day. Like I just got used to it. <laughs> like yeah. I was at that I hospital like I every other day like they, they could have just got me a room up there that's how often yeah. <laughs> like just just to commute from home to downtown chicago it was a pain in the ass every other day mm -hmm. just you know getting all those tests done so like the night before the actual surgery they gave me magnesium citrate which is a lax is a liquid laxative oh yeah and yeah, you gotta cleanse out. You gotta cleanse out your system for any sort of. Yeah, not a little bit either. It's usually like a gallon, um, and that is is a lot. Yeah, it wasn't fun. But anyways, mm. <laughs> um, I remember that particular like the morning we set, you know, we we separated, went our separate ways, signed my HIPAA papers, that sort of thing. I remember being in the, you know, I guess the the OR. Mm -hmm. I remember the last thing I remember was the doctor telling me he was like, "I'm about to give you this stuff." It's going to make you feel like you just drank a six-pack of beer. It's going to make you feel good. Next thing I know, I had no clue who the hell I was. Like, I just hear all this, like, noise. I didn't know. Like, I don't remember passing out or anything. Like, I just remember, I guess, waking up, mm -hmm. hearing just voices and noise. And I tried to move, and it was the most painful thing Ooh. ever. Like, I couldn't. I, I couldn't move. Like, it was, it was just that much. It was that, it was that painful. Um, then I guess they, they, they moved me to my room and my sister and my grandmother were there waiting on me. And, you know, I was starving. I couldn't eat anything. Eat, I couldn't eat anything like not even like liquids. Mm. And because it already know, been from the night before you, you cleared everything out. So you ain't exactly. have nothing. Sheesh. Yeah, exactly. And then the following morning. Uh, you know, when I tell you the hospital food never tastes so good in my life. <laughs> um, so they gave me like a like a walker almost to I guess maneuver to my dad's room, which is like down the hall from mine. Mm -hmm. And you know, we actually took like I guess our first steps together without walkers. Wow. It was it was probably one of the best days of my life, I'm not gonna lie. Um it was weird because the like literally went home the very next day after the surgery. Like I thought I was gonna stay, I thought I was gonna stay for like a week. They sent me on twenty four yeah. hours later. They took a whole not a, so is the whole you have two kidneys, one liver, right? Yeah. That's where that works. Yeah. They took a whole kidney. Yep. So they pulled something out you 
and then basically and you know they gave me what did they give me they gave me tylenol 3 with codeine and hydrocodone i didn't take any of it because you know people get addicted to that stuff and i don't want to take that risk so i just dealt with the pain like a champ it was not easy like they gave me a six week recovery period and it was the worst six weeks of my life like i felt like a cop i felt like a, like a couch potato almost like i could barely move like going really up and down the, like going up and down the stairs was a chore in itself trying to like sit in a prone position was a nightmare like it just it it, it was rough i'm not gonna lie to you now i asked um, you about that experience because i'm curious how that may or may not affect your travel experience like so it's re- it's, it's good that you brought that up because i was actually going to australia later that year for I got a work visa, so I was going to be gone for a year. Nice. So I had a I had a flight booked, but I wasn't fully recovered from the transplant. So I called uh, the airline and let them know, and they actually changed my departure date free of charge because of what I did and why I couldn't travel. Mm-hmm. So they said, you know, due to, you know, your compassionate active service, you know, speak a departure date, we'll change it for you. Just let you know when, just let us know when you want to leave. Nice. And yeah. That's, I'm happy to hear that because you, we always hear about companies just being companies and not being compassionate mm-hmm. to anything. So it's, I can easily appreciate hearing something positive. But does that, I guess having a kidney less, do you have to uh, monitor the type of activity? Or is there, like, I guess after a certain amount of time, you just, move life is normal life is general like can you go do the same types of activities i would assume it's just a function of how you process stuff right i mean i I can but i can't because like you know in terms of like exercising i have to take it easy still because you know i can like to this day i still feel like some pressure in my lower left abdomen if i'm doing too much my body's gonna let me know okay like you know like especially like even with like drinking i can't drink as much anymore like i used to because Mm -hmm. of it you know, so I just got to just take it easy. So I know I have one kidney. Like, I can, I feel it all the time. Like, wow. Especially if I'm like running. Like, it, like, even it just feels weird still. That is so interesting. I guess you just feel your body is adapting to not having something there, I guess, right? Yeah, because, you know, realistically, you only. Yeah, realistically, you only need one kidney. You don't really need both, depending on, you know, your health and stuff like that. But, you know, I was healthy enough to not have both. But it's a principle. Um, you came with two. So exactly. I assume things work better with two. Damn. But you don't have to, like, um, altitudes don't um, affect you any differently. Um, I guess, like, um, if you were to go on a hike outside of, like, just the excursion, like the... Um, exacerbate the exacerbating uh, i guess of uh, physical or manual labor like higher altitudes or like say scuba diving or something or you don't have to moderate the levels that you can go to or anything like that or not you know what i mean like other because like not necessarily because when i went to australia six months later i hiked a mountain in tasmania mm-hmm. and yeah i felt fine afterwards cool okay so that's Note to those of y'all who have the opportunity to be a lover and share of yourself, you can still still do the fun things outside. Um, so that was all the questions I had of you. Are such a dynamic traveler. It was so interesting to hear of all of the different places that you've been. I always that's one of the things that I absolutely love about the podcast is being able to um, talk about travel not necessarily just based on the destination but also like just the experiences around Mm -hmm. the destination and especially when people go to not only say less than touristic places because there's an appeal of tourism anywhere just because people like everything right but just not your you know not the caribbean all the time. Not that there's anything exactly. wrong with the Caribbean, because the Caribbean has its own appeal, but um, I enjoy a good 
history stop. I enjoy a good, um, you know, natural experience outside in terms of just different hiking experiences and shit like that. So hearing about a hike in Tanzania absolutely piques my interest. So thank you for um, sharing that of yourself with me and with the audience. So where can the people find you and where can the people get um, an experience of your writing that got you a free ass stay in uh, <laughs> Japan and the, um, you know, your YouTube and where can the people find you and keep up to date with your uh, travel experiences? So my blog is under construction. So I'll, uh, I'll update that later. But um, mm-hmm. if you're in like various travel groups like Black Travel Movement, No Madness Travel Tribe, that sort of thing, just search my name and just pull up everything I've written over the years. Got it. Um, I'm on Instagram at Bruce Leroy Travels, all one word. Mm-hmm. Or just on Facebook, just Leroy Tyler the Fourth. All right. So I will absolutely have all of those um, links in the episode description. Uh, as well, in the episode description is, of course, the link for Travel and Shit merch. Shout out to the hooded crop tops. Yay, Binksy and I, we um, we love our hoodies. Um, I love all my merch, to tell you the truth. But if you, too, are interested in merch, there is a link in the episode description. There's links to the Instagram in the episode description. I'd really appreciate if you could, um, if you like this episode or any other episode of Travel and Shit, um, thanks for fucking with the kid. And please uh, subscribe and rate the podcast just so that it makes it a little bit easier for strangers to find the wealth of information that is shared here. Um, If you have any questions in particular, or if you have any suggestions, comments, and all that jazzy shit, shoot me a email. dcarry at travelandshippodcast.com. That too will be in the description. So uh, Leroy, thank you again for joining me. I appreciate you being so um, open and candid with us. Thank you for sharing your story. And um, you know, I wish you continued health and safe travels. Likewise. Thank you very much. Thanks. Thanks. Say bye. Say bye to the people. <laughs> okay, girl. <laughs> Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I'll uh, no send you the links and all that jazz when it's done. Awesome. All right. Thanks. Bye. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>